Hello and welcome to YHTV's Trinity of Life. This is episode 59. I'm Christina Suzuma, your host of this program. Thank you so much for joining me as I continue to explore the wonderful world of healing arts, meditation, therapies, and the many modalities of helping each of us find balance in our individual journeys. We're always excited to meet those of you who are on the leading edge of creating change on this planet. Today our show is A Mother's Journey Through a Son's Crisis. Now at any time during this live presentation, you can feel free to ask a question or make a comment by scrolling down in your screen and typing it into the comment box. And uh, remember to click submit so I can read it out to our guest. Or if you prefer to join us live on our conference line, you are very welcome to do so. The number is 323-476-3997, and your ID is 607-393-POUND. I would uh, like to take this moment to welcome Yoga Hub's Master Intuitive of Flowing into Awareness, our very, very dear Anatara. Hello, Anatara. Good morning, Christina. Nice to be here. <laughs> oh, thank you for joining us, as per usual. <laughs> now on my show. <laughs> yeah, this this is a nice a nice experience. <laughs> yes, to have you back again is just so wonderful. Mm-hmm. And uh, yes, I, I do believe I think it was episode thirty. Give me a hand here, thirty somewhat that you were on one of the the shows, uh, episode thirty six. So, you know, anyone, uh, we would encourage you to go back and learn more about Anatara. But today, Anatara, you've just been through quite an ordeal. A lot of happy, happy moments since the beginning of the year with new grandchildren. (laughs) And just recently, about a month or so ago, right? Six weeks. Six weeks ago. Time flies. It does. Ooh, um, six weeks ago, you received a phone call. I did. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's so hard to know where to start. And what I'm going to be sharing are some of the, some of the experiences and some of the insights and some of the, the challenges and some of the amazing things I've learned in the last six weeks since my son was in a very, very very serious car accident um, in which he very could have easily could have lost his life and didn't. Um, so it's it, <laughs> where, where to start is a, a bit tricky. I had a friend, I had a friend call me, um, a close friend that I've known since I was eight years old. And she phoned me from Michigan the other day and asked me how I was doing and asked me how my son was doing. Uh, he's 30 now. And the detail will, will come along as I continue to, to talk about it. And, and she's known him since he was born. And, mm. and she, she was asking about him. But what she really wanted to know was, tell me the story. Tell me what happened. Tell me how you all got to this point of being five and a half weeks post-accident. And, and, and so I had to think about that because for so long I've been focusing my efforts and my energy on bringing his, you know, his his injured body back to the here and now in a way that is that is functional and as comfortable as possible and as integrated in his life as as is possible. So I'd forgotten the story, and 
because it, it had no it had no immediate meaning. It had no immediate um, input into what I was doing. But the story is important, and the story is a big part of the learning for myself and my son, uh, and his wife, and his new baby, and all the other extended family and friends that he has. But before I say a little bit more about that, I, I really want to emphasize that the this whole experience to me the the greatest uh, it's not really value but the greatest insight has come through the human connection to everyone that that I know uh, that knows my son and and the family and who knows just my son the the there's been a cascade of of assistance, of love, of prayer, of of just just an input of of how can we help, and here we are to help, whatever help may be in that moment. So as I tell a bit of the story, I I, I just want everyone to remember how important that cascade of human um, input is that 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 flow of of and the dynamic of of assistance that is available and how vital it is when we share it with each other and when we we actually give it and deliver it to one another. <laughs> so back to the back to the beginning of the story, unless you have something you'd want to like to ask at this point, Christina. No, not at all. I, I um, it's it's always um for me if people understand it from the beginning <laughs> of you know your your state of being when you first hear of something like this and <laughs> it, it is very powerful. Um <laughs> And even for someone as yourself, who is a master intuitive, who works with a lot, a lot of individuals, consulting them through their times and their journeys, for you yourself to be going through such a crisis, um, and uh, you know your your journey, I think would be invaluable to the rest of us. <laughs> well, and, and it's and it's very important, I'm finding, to share it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as I said, that I hadn't shared shared any of it from the beginning since it started, mm-hmm. <laughs> because mm-hmm. there were too many, too many other pressing, you know, needs and, and things that had to be aligned with what was going on. Okay. So I was sitting at home one morning and feeling odd, but but without any specific understanding of what the what the oddness was. It, it wasn't agitation. It, w- it was more a sense that, that things, were, things were becoming unstable in some way, that, that there was something strange happening in the ethers or there was something strange happening in my body. I, I didn't know what it was, but I was sitting here at home just feeling odd and attempting to do some normal things, such as work in the computer, answer a few emails. And I got a phone call. And it was, I could, I, I saw that it was my daughter-in-law. And I answered the phone and said hello in my normal bright way. And all I could hear was crying. And so I said, I said, what's wrong? And I, I assumed it was going to be that something was wrong with the baby. The baby was only less than three months old at the time. But she said, you know, she said, Bart's been in an accident. He's been in a serious accident, and I don't know anything yet. And immediately, I had this feeling of of, of being stuck in. A, it was like being in a vortex. Yeah. I could I could feel a whoosh. I could feel it coming down and around me, and sort of in from all sides and flowing right through me. 
So to me, in that second or that millisecond, what was important was that it was movement. I didn't feel stuck or caught, but I felt like I was in the center of some very large movement. And and I could feel as well that I was too, and this is how I, I usually try to listen to life is, you know, what, what is it now? What do I do now? And I could feel that there was, I had to follow some detail, but that overall the movement was taking, taking me and my son and my daughter-in-law forward into something. So I, I didn't, I didn't start to panic or, or feel some sort of inevitable, horrible end, you know, or disaster. I instel, instead felt engagement and movement and a feeling that essentially everything would be all right. I didn't know what that meant or when it would be, but I knew that this wasn't any kind of ending. It was a process. It was that, that vortex of movement that we were now in. So I said, okay, <laughs> I'm going to try to find out what happened. And you phone, you know, you phone some other people said so you got somebody there with you. So I immediately, I, I had heard, the, I'll, I'll go back one more step. The way she found out about the accident was that a friend of my son's arrived at their door with a picture of his truck in, in having been completely demolished. It literally, the, the, the tiny truck was was so mangled and so squished that you couldn't even believe um, you couldn't believe it. You, you, there was nothing, no way to relate to the way it looked. It didn't even look like a truck. It was like one of those horror stories that you see um, in a police report or in a television show. It, it, it wasn't real. It wasn't actual. And this was how she was presented with the, the idea that my son had been in an accident. Uh, so I, I phoned the police station in the area where the accident had, had occurred, and they said, yes, there was an accident. We can't tell you anything. We don't know who you are. <laughs> uh, we can say that the driver of that vehicle was taken to the hospital in the city. So, And they didn't say he was dead, <laughs> literally. Mm. So so that that was that first first moment where you think, okay, okay, he's not. He's, he's, his body is still alive. And from there, they directed me to phone a local police station and to find out any detail that I could. They, again, could not tell me anything. They said, we're not allowed to tell you anything. He was taken to um, to a, a hospital. So then I went into action, um, engaging other family members that live in that city, um, my son's father and his stepmother, to go and, and meet him at the hospital. And I was able to phone my daughter-in-law back and say, I'm on my way. I live on an island. I'll get on a ferry. I'll be there as soon as I can. So she she started to started to pack things, started to get the baby ready, and knew I wouldn't be there for an hour or an hour and a half so that we could travel together to whatever we were going to find. So in this movement, it, it's it's it was still what was flowing in my head was it's it's going to be okay. Uh, just take these steps. Take this 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 movement and and manage this energy in the best way you can. You can center it. And I was so so as soon as I got onto the ferry, you drive your car onto the ferry. And when when I got onto the ferry, I stopped everything. I sat in in meditation, and I started to tune in. And as I started to tune in, the first thing I saw, the very first thing I saw, was 
uh, is similar to the vortex I described when I first heard about the accident was that I saw the accident reverse itself. I saw from the from the point of impact of the truck of, of my son's truck, I saw a backwards expansion into the past. It was as if it was it was erasing itself, and I thought, oh, <laughs> this is this is this is interesting. I didn't I didn't. Um, request this image and this sensation, but isn't that interesting that the energetic of whatever brought the accident to be has been reversed? It was as if it was it was taken by the ethers, taken by the universe to be um, to be cleansed, to be changed, and and so so that that sat well with with my with my center because I felt if something can be reversed like that then it means that whatever happens from that, that point as we move forward in this, this concrete life of ours, whatever moves forward doesn't have to be um, burdened by that energy. So in, in my meditation, I was also you know, contemplating the, the idea of accidents. You know, are there any accidents? I, I don't really believe that there are accidents. There are meeting points of different energies. There are times when things happen because of, of we haven't learned things in other ways and we need to have an impactful, very physical experience in order to get whatever that might be. I was, I was thinking of my son in particular. And, and, and I was also wondering about myself and, and what is it, or, or am I bringing something to the to the request for this sort of horribleness to happen? And and so I just I, I sort of sat with that. I just I just left that as it was and kept kept moving, kept going forward. Um, by the time that I reached the other side on the ferry, and this is one time when we were all so grateful to have so many electronic devices, uh, cell phones, so that we could be in constant um, texting, um, touch with each other, and and being able to talk on the phone about what have you heard? Has anybody gotten to the hospital yet? Um, to my daughter-in-law, how are you doing? Are you are you okay? Are you focused? You know, what can I send you right now before I get there? And in terms of what can I send you, it was do you need love? Do you need to cry on the phone to me? Do you need to kiss the baby? What do you need? Do you tell me and I'll help you? And um, by the time I arrived at their house, um, my, my, um, Bart, Bart's dad and his wife were at the hospital, were unable to see him, but knew that, that he was alive, that they had put him into a, into a, you know, a anesthetized state to protect him, to protect him, um, that he had, um, serious head trauma, uh, lacerations to the side of his face, um, a severely broken arm and a broken hip. But he was breathing on his own. The CAT scan showed no bleeding in his head, which didn't mean that there wasn't any damage, but that there wasn't any bleeding. So there, we had some we had some facts, and and the human part of me said, "Oh, fact." <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> That's <laughs> good. <laughs> I, can, I can work with this fact, right? <laughs> and I was able to then take myself into another energetic place um, where I could actually focus on his body and focus on his body with, with hands of light and, and therapeutic touch the way I know how to use it and, and to, go, to go over him to see what was, what was unsettled, what was jittery, what was in need. Uh, so I could do that as I was focusing on helping my daughter-in-law, you know, holding the baby and assuring the baby energetically that even though it felt like the edges were starting to crumble in his tiny little, his tiny little life, that, that it was going to be 
um, okay that there was still this this profound sense of of um, attention and love available for him because I could feel in his in his little tiny spaces that that there was a, a switch then too it was I'm not sure what this is I'm not sure how to do with it do what to do with it but but I'm I'm looking so there are more more elements to this to this um, super conscious awareness that are important here. My daughter-in-law was very engaged in the the factual part of the part of the journey, and and I was able to bounce with her back and forth as we drove to the city um, about about those things combined with what I was in constant reception of from my son in his unconscious state, um, because I wouldn't say he was talking to me as much as I was aware of what was vital to his to his soul essence. And what was happening with his body, because he would he would reach out and he would say, um, "This hurts," or I, "I I've lost awareness of this particular part of of what I know to be my body," and I could tune in and, and show him where it was. I could tell him, "This is what's happening to it. This is what you this is what you may do with it." And to my daughter in law, I could say, "You know, I, I've been talking to him." I know he's confused, I know he's in pain, and he is there, and he is okay. There was never a point where I was concerned after being able to speak with him in this way. There was never a point where I was concerned that 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 his physical would not recover to a point that we would find who he is as we know him. So in other words, I knew that his memory was going to be there. I knew that that what he what he had experienced, learned, and done in his life was still going to be there. So so I, I really want to I really want to say that you know in in this particular experience, you know we have been very lucky. This was not the time for my son to to be more seriously injured than he was and or to leave us in his physical form. And I know that for many who experience this kind of trauma and crisis, that that is the outcome. And and there were many times as we continue with the story that that could have happened. And and so I I feel I feel lucky. I feel but but more than that I feel that the stream of of our journeys together as planned or as unplanned as they are, you know, for, for this particular son at this particular time, he is still here. He was, he was meant to still be here because the way he, you know, the way he held on, even with the injury was, was, was pretty profound. He has told me since the, since the, the accident that he said it had to be an angel that saved me. I, I don't know what else, I don't know what else it was. Something saved me. <laughs> so and and he's a and he's a he, he works with cars he he rebuilds cars he you know he and his friends are all about about being you know sort of motorheads uh, and and his friends look at the at the, the the truck which my son did have towed to his house because he wanted to he wanted to feel the feel it he wanted to know the the, the factual part of what it looked like but his friends have said it, you know truly it is a miracle that you that you did survive so. At at this point, the family converged on the hospital, and and they had just in the emergency room they had just decided that he was stable enough to be sent to the ICU intensive care unit. So we were able to see his physical form, um, you know, on a stretcher. Um, they had, they did intubate him, even though he was breathing on his own, because they didn't know what might happen or, right. or how severe the brain brain injury was. 
and they wanted to make sure that in case they needed it, they had it. And of course, he had all you know. He had pick lines. He had you know various things hooked up to him. They had sutured his the injuries on his face just because there had been so much bleeding, and you know he was in a collar to make sure that his neck was stable. Uh, there was some um, ligament damage to mm. the back side of his neck, um, and and so but we saw him. And you could see through the, and this this I think is really important. We could see through the, the the sort of the mask or the filter of the the technical things there to keep him alive and keep him going, that he was there. You you could see the curve of a face or or a part of a hand that looked familiar, and and you and there was such such a, a centering. You know, and especially in terms of what I'd been receiving, there was such a centering in seeing him. And it was at that point that we all just started to cry. It was because it was relief. Mm-hmm. It was, we see you now. We have something that, that our minds can work with. <laughs> um, and and I have to say that I have never been, been as well supported by a, a hospital experience ever before in my life as I was in this particular time. And it, it may be like this everywhere, but this is my only experience of it. We were, we were greeted standing around his stretcher by, um, by a social worker, by a, a, a nurse that had been assigned to him, two nurses that had been, been assigned to him in, the, in the, the emergency room, who just looked us in the eye and said, what do you need? What can we? What can we tell you? And let us hold your hands if you need it. Do you need something to drink? Someone scurried off and got us water. Um, do you need us to rub your back? Um, do you need something to eat? Um, you know, this is exactly what's happening. And they went through every fact of his current medical condition and the care they were giving him. Mm. So it, it's it, it's you feel your heart expand and you feel your heart a sort of almost almost come apart, not with sadness and not with, really with relief, but with the miracle. It's, it's, it, that's really what it was to me. At every step of seeing him still in live living form, it was, there's some sort of miracle here. And, and, and I continue to take that, that thought with me as we went through the, the 10 days that he was essentially unconscious and in, and in intensive care. So (laughs) we go ahead. It's uh, that's quite a journey. So I just want to reiterate for our audience that when you said that you were in touch with him, Mm. that, that was when you were driving to the hospital. Mm -hmm. So all, even up to the point where you physically saw him, you did not actually verbally speak to him. This was all oh. what if people want to call it ESP, <laughs> if they want to call it, you know, mm-hmm. the connection that you have, um, that you were able to actually, and he was able to understand and reach out to you as well. He definitely was. Um, since since he's become, I'll explain that a bit in a minute. Since he became conscious, he was able, he has been able to say to me, "I, Mom, I knew you were there. I always knew you were there. So the... Uh, this is this is an interesting thing, and I am going to speak to it before we actually get to it in the story in just a minute. I was not only able to to be in touch with him um, to see what his needs were and how he was doing in this in this sort of um, you know awareness way that has nothing to do with um, you know with with verbal speech or writing anything down. It is an intuitive an intuitive form of of um, communication, and it's you know for me with what I do. It's just an intuitive knowing, but I can carry on con- what are like conversations. 
Mm-hmm. With people that are unconscious, with people that are have already passed, you know, passed out of the physical and are not quite, haven't quite left their bodies, and also with people who have left their bodies and are, you know, what we would call dead. So yes, that was the kind of communication. That was the in touchness I was having with him, and I was also able to do it with every other member of the family who was either there at the hospital with us or not at the hospital. Hmm. Immediately, we started to receive uh, phone calls from all over the country, literally all over the world. I had friends who were traveling traveling around the world, and because I can text an email from my, from my phone, I, I could send out this very, very little quick thing, almost like a tweet that said, this is what's happening, you know, um, just so you're aware, knowing that they would be sending their, sending their love to then be transformed and used however it was going to be most, mm-hmm. most appropriate in the moment. So, what I wanted to say about this this communication is that in in this role of being my son's mother in ICU, I was there to you know to field all of the medical questions to answer answer you know and 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 receive the information about what's happening with his care. Um, we you know his father his his stepmother and I were able to help his wife make the decisions that she needed to make in order to sign the form she needed to to allow them to proceed with what they felt was was required for Bart. And so I I could always sense when one of them was misunderstanding something or needing a little bit more input or when one of them was afraid or concerned yeah. or when one of them was about to have a you know a little meltdown and and needed something extra so my my uh, it's 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 my orchestration. I'm I'm going to call it an orchestration, and I think I used that word with a friend. That I felt like I was conducting something, mm-hmm. not because there was a plan that I knew of, but because once the plan was apparent, I was able to conduct certain certain connections and certain energies and and just a word here or there that would that would assist in the next best step. Mm-hmm. And 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 I really really feel that everything that we were doing was about the next best thing, that wherever we were at was as good as it was going to get right then in terms of his health and in terms of what was happening, and the next best thing was what was coming next. And sometimes these things changed moment to moment to moment, okay? So what I've learned, and I'll talk about this again, but what I learned throughout this whole experience was how much viable, almost tangible energy, universal energy there is available all of the time to all of us. You know, I've worked with it. I, I, I live that way. And, but I have never been, um, sort of, um, infused with as much as I was getting at this particular time. And with the, with, it, it was a, it was a rapid fire experience um, where the the it was almost like the volume or the the concentration that's what it was the concentration of this energy was was almost as brilliant as as you might think it would be to step into the great central sun it was it was all encompassing um you know all consuming dynamic um and available so even even though I knew at the beginning of the event that my son was going to survive, I know that the way in which we were able to work with this, this vibrant, dynamic, central energy of the universe, 
definitely assisted his his movement through the steps of his own healing and and actually assisted the hospital as well in 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 its whole its whole you know work in all of its workings so <laughs> that's we, a lot <laughs> yeah it is and 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 as i talk about it now i'm finding you know this the accident was 6 weeks ago and i have been i have been you know, totally involved, totally immersed in this since then. And even up to about a week ago, it was hard for me to string two coherent sentences together at a time. It, you know, the, the, the energy of my life was about being part of this energy and seeing what my role was in it. I, I don't want to pretend that I was creating with it although I probably was, or that I was, or that it was mine in any way, because it doesn't belong to me. But that was my role. That was my job. That was my journey. And I found that I could actually sort of help some of the other people that were in the ICU as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. We're all tapped into the same web. <laughs> oh, we certainly are. So, so my son was moved to ICU and where he stayed for 10 days. And and they they did need to keep him in an and in it, what they call an induced coma, um, so that mm. he his brain could heal and that they could assess his injuries. And they had to do surgery on his arm and put a put a plate in his arm. And they had to watch his hip, and they had to just see what else came up. They they, they you know with a, some sort of with with a sort of of terrible physical trauma that he experienced bouncing around inside that truck in a very sudden sudden stop. <laughs> the body, I, we, I just couldn't even imagine what the, his body experienced. I, I just, I don't know how one even ex- survives that kind of thing or, or you know, how the, the body is so resilient. It, 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 you know, it flowed with it. It broke in a few places, but it flowed with it. So he, he was in ICU um, in this coma, uh, and they would occasionally try to, you know, lighten the, the anesthetic so that they could see what state of mind he was in. Um, but he wasn't in any, there was no coherence when, when they would bring him, you know, wean him off it a little bit and bring him through to, to hopefully um, our kind of normal awareness. So they would just have to, they have to put him back in. And they found a couple of times that, that, that he was, he's a strong young man, and they had to give him a lot of anesthetic to keep him from thrashing and moving and and they had to tie him down which mm. for him when he was conscious was just horrible oh, it, yeah. it, it, terrifying um and it as as it's very common in this kind of thing he had absolutely no memory of the accident so he didn't know where he was what was going on or why any of the whys well, and part, was, of, part of it too uh, was he had quite a uh, uh head trauma quite you know, if he's right. got lacerations, he's been bleeding. That's a lot. <laughs> you know, that's it, a lot. Was, he actually did have a number of seizures when he first arrived at the hospital, mm-hmm. which they, you know, assumed it was because of blood loss, and and sort of they stuck with that idea as the time went on. But, but yes, he was. He was. <laughs> I don't want to say it was so funny to be able to look at him and know he was in there, and to also know that the body had to heal and the body had to go through many stages so that the, the he that we knew could come out. Mm-hmm. And that this part was easy for me, much easier for me than it was for the rest of the family because they were just, just desperate for a sign, you know, a conscious sign and, and, a, and movement from him or something that he would say that showed us that he was him. Mm-hmm. And it didn't happen. It, it couldn't happen. Um, so I, I did constantly reassure him that, yes, I have been, I have been inside with him. I know he's there. I know he will be back. 
uh, and that we just have to do this part and give as much as we can to the healing body as it requires right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and one of the the wonderful this um, because there are some one, wondrous things that did happen is that the baby who wasn't in he wasn't in the the intensive care unit very often although we brought him in every now and then uh, he was in the waiting room and there was always a, a family member with him he and I and my son were were talking to one another we were. Mm communicating in this in this unspoken way in this non-wordly way with one another and every time that i would be in that inner space with my son and i would invite the baby to to come be with us my son you could just feel his whole essence go ah and and i was able to see that one of his biggest concerns in his hurt and nonverbal state was you know i'm i'm worried about my family i'm worried that they will be cared for i'm worried that they're okay i'm concerned that i won't ever be able to take care of them again so all of the others when i expressed this to them were able to actually use those words with him and say it's okay everything's being handled you don't need to worry about your mortgage or 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 the food on the table everything's okay yeah, that's wonderful and it, it did make a huge difference for my son. Mm-hmm. Huge, huge, huge difference. You see, he had two angels by him. <laughs> he had, did. It, beside him, inside him, all yes. around. Yes, because as they so say, the, even with the babies, they don't, they don't really 100% come onto this plane until they're about six, seven months old. No, it was, it was, it really, it was beautiful. And, and I had a lot of contact with this little, this little baby before he was born. I knew him quite well when he was in the womb. <laughs> <laughs> so we were, we were friends on that level yeah, anyway. Yeah, sneaking playdates, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of them. And that's actually something that we continued uh, since he was born. We were, we were to talk to each other in that way all the time. <laughs> so, so the, the next stage of the, Okay, I, I I came into the hospital the very first morning. Um, in, in intensive care, they they do shift changes at from seven to nine a.m. So they don't want the family there before nine a.m. Uh, oh, you could come in in an emergency, but they don't want you there as a regular basis. So I would go into the hospital every morning at five thirty or six. I'm always awake at that time anyway, and go into this very dark, quiet environment um, because the nurses at that point were getting tired and they'd done most of the things that they needed to do with the with the patients by then. And I would go into my son's room and sit and meditate with him, find out how he was doing, get a sense of, of what procedures they had needed to perform throughout the night, but also more than anything, get a sense of what was happening inside him and um, what he needed, where he needed a tweak, where he needed an opening, where he needed an understanding. And, and they also got, became very accustomed to my giving him therapeutic touch and going over him energetically, in which I could you know, literally sense with my hands where the energy needed to flow a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And, and so I know that a lot of that, that working with, with the ener- energy of healing yes. um, changed his outcome and changed the, the, the quickness of, of how he came through it all. Mm-hmm. But the most interesting thing to me was that when I walked through the hospital doors that first morning that he was in the ICU, I walked by the elevator and the reception desk. And again, I was hit by the vortex. I was I was mm. in the center of a whoosh, and the whoosh was it was so clear that a whoosh wasn't just about my son. It was about the whole hospital. It was about literally, really about the whole planet, and it was about all the other people that were healing, trying to heal, and all of the families experiencing whatever they were in terms of giving birth, uh, losing loved ones, whatever it was. Mm. And it didn't 
again, it didn't feel overwhelming. It just felt like I was stepping into that which I was meant to be doing. And and so I said, okay, I, I feel you. I hear you. Just show me what to do. I'm not going to try to attempt to make this anything. I'm just I'm just here as as the as a tuning fork. You know, when I was talking about being a conductor, I think more than that, I was just being a tuning fork. Mm. You know, tuning the signals, tuning the images, tuning the the feeling of what what was to come. Uh, yeah, I like that. I, I I'm going to remember that. <laughs> <laughs> So the, so the time in the ICU extended itself on every day. He was a little bit um, more clear when they tried to withdraw the anesthetic. There was a little bit more of him there. And, and he would start to talk about um, the world's, the, his first, his first um, reactions to speaking to us was, you know, he recognized us. It was very hard for him to open his eyes because of the drugs, because of the injuries. Um, and, and, but but he could, and he would he would say, "Oh yeah, hi mom," or you know, "Hi to his wife," or "Hi to his dad." Um, but then he started talking about things that that to us we were saying were hallucinations, mm. and and it was it was it was what was going on inside his mind as he was anesthetized and and drugged, you know, drugged for the pain. So it became people kept trying to say, "No, that's not real," or "No, that's not mm. really happening to him," and then that made him even more frustrated. So I heard and knew, because I was seeing them as he did from his perspective, that what he was telling us about was as real as what we were seeing when we looked at him. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I said to them all, yes, this is not our reality, but this is as real to him as we are to one another. And, and if we engage him in, in listening to what he's saying about those, those realms, we can also introduce the idea to him that that is one reality and there is another one here. And when we try to shut him down and say, no, that's not real, he, he panics because we're saying your life doesn't exist. You know, what, what you think and what you know isn't, isn't you're not, you're not, it's not here. Mm-hmm. And that really made him panic. Uh, so th- and that made sense. It really made sense. And even now, to this point, um, you know, we will. He and I talk about what was so real to him at that time. You know, as he came, as they pulled him out more and more from that anesthetic, and we were able to re um, reemphasize what had happened that he had had an accident, that his car, his truck was destroyed, that he was badly injured, and he and he and he gradually started to hear that and and be able to integrate it. Um, we were still able to say, so what was that that image like? What did it feel like when you were in there having that that experience? I didn't call it a, a hallucination. I didn't call it a dream. I just said, what was going on for you? Because that that is what his he has memories of those things, not memories of of what we were seeing and what we were doing. Mm-hmm. So the brain is fascinating, mm-hmm. and and the way we derive. Um, you know, calmness and a sense of self from what the brain tells us is is important. Um, you know, it, it, we we spend a lot of time. You know, we, we people that are looking at other ways of being conscious and and looking at meditation a lot. We you know we we take a lot of lot of steps to disengage from what the brain says, and that's that's fine. That's good. We don't, we don't want it to always be the thing that's leading the show, mm-hmm. but in this kind of immediate crisis and trauma where your sense of identity is gone and you don't have your body because it's hurting everywhere and it's medicated and or strapped down, it's important to have something to focus on. And I really, really understood that. Mm. Mm. 
<laughs> wow. I, it, it's very interesting how um, we, uh, our bodies and our minds, our spirits, they're so connected. <laughs> and how, you know, the, depending on society and culture and the way we're brought up, I mean, you have always been so aware and so connected to, as someone would say, you know, to the spirit, to the spirit mm -hmm. world, to between the spirit world, the subconscious, because it's all connected. Mm -hmm. um, whereas, uh, and we all have that capability, don't we? We do. We absolutely do. Now, my question is, did Bart connect with that from an early age? He not in the same way that I do. Um, not in the not in a way that that he has conversations with that yes. with that side of ourselves as I do. But yes, I used to um, I used to we used to stand on the top of the ski hill before we went down. This is even when he was four and five, and I'd say, "Okay, now call in your angels and have them." ski with you this was before he was before he was a snowboarder have yes. them <laughs> now you need more than angels <laughs> uh, i would say have them ski with you to keep you safe you know let them know that you that you are acknowledging their existence and you want them to accompany you down the hill and if you get scared or you feel like you're going too fast reach out and call them Mm -hmm. So, so he, yes, he, it has been a, a normal part of his, uh, of his experience in life that there is, there is this spirit side of things that supports and in, interrelates with us all the time. But, but did you both interact like now he's 30, but since he was five to now 30, did he knows what you do for a living? He knows that you're, you consult with others, you, you help and in, in partake in, in many people's lives, you know, uh, and invited to do so. I mean, has he ever linked to that? Has he ever had conversations with you? You know, how some, sometimes people get to a point where you go, oh, you know, that's a whole bunch of, you know, or, or has it been very accepted and, and very open to it? He's been very open to it. Um, I, I think in, in talking to him throughout the years, he does t tell me, and it's mostly in, in physical things like this where his physical life is challenged, mm -hmm. that he does reach out and he tells me about those moments. Uh, I remember once he was a kid and he was riding his bicycle and I looked out and, and he, was, he was going down and he was going down hard. <laughs> and, I lit and I literally saw, you know, in, in, in sort, of a, uh, sort, of a, sort of like a heat wave, I saw something reach out and pick him up. And, and, and keep him from falling, literally keep him from falling. And he came in and he said, you know, mom, something really strange just happened. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I said to him at that point, because it was the easiest way to talk about it, I said, well, the angels saved you. They just picked you up so you wouldn't fall. And he's had other very close calls in his, in his sort of young man life, mm -hmm. um, in, in boats of almost sinking and in, in other things where, where he knows he's been assisted mm -hmm. because he knew how to ask for help. So, so it is, yeah, it, it's not, I wouldn't say it's something that he, that he consciously thinks about, but whenever there's the need, he does reach into that realm for mm. himself. Mm. Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, so, so now he, you have uh, been, how long was he in ICU? He was there for nine or 10 days. And then when they move him into the room, now you're in Canada, on, <laughs> on Victoria, <laughs> do they have, when they move him into his room... Uh, are you able to stay at that point with yes. him? Yes. 
Yes. Oh, good. And they actually ask us to, because when there's, when there's brain t- trauma and confusion, when they start to withdraw the medication, both the pain medication and the, and the anesthetic, there's a lot of confusion. And we did have to just keep repeating to him that, that there were certain things he couldn't do. He couldn't jump out of bed and walk. He had to stay off. He has to stay off his hip until it heals because of the break, the type of break and because they didn't pin it. Um, and, and so he wasn't able to walk. He couldn't use his arm. There were many things he couldn't do. And, and for someone like, like him, he is, he's, a, he's an active and an aggressively active person. He never stops. His life is about doing for others, serving others, you know, creating things for others, making sure that everybody is always taken care of, including all of his friends. And, and, and to be into in, in some sort of forced inactivity it, it's 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 painful it's mm. it's scary and it's painful so he only stayed in in a hospital ward for two days because no we couldn't contain him and <laughs> and literally and and I knew that if we got him home and I was there because I went and stayed with them and we had other friends around to help us whatever that meant, that we could get him home and we could get him into recovery in that way. Mm. So we, we scrambled all of his buddies, and he has hundreds of them, and they went to his house and they built a ramp so that he could get into the house in a wheelchair mm. and so that he could get out of his house and into, the, into his shop. He has a mechanical shop um, on his, uh, at his house um, so that he could go and sit there with his buddies and just listen to them even if he couldn't move. Mm-hmm. So his friends did it. They went to the house. They built a ramp. The ramp was complete. We brought him home. <laughs> oh. and, and, and so because of the way our insurance, you know, our, our automobile insurance and, and the healthcare system works here, we recovered from the instant that he was injured in all sorts of ways, sort mm-hmm. of automatic employment insurance, automatic health coverage. Um, he was provided with all of the, the tools that he needs to be at home, a, a manual wheelchair, an electric wheelchair, um, um, a, a taxi service set up to take him to his now physiotherapy appointments and occupational mm-hmm. therapy appointments. Um, when we drive him to doctor's appointments, which are, you know, 80 kilometers from home, um, that's covered. It's, it's, I have never seen a system of such adept um, coordination mm-hmm. function before in this realm. It's 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 amazing, and when if we have questions, we we call. Um, if we're not sure of what to do, we call. So, and there's someone to coordinate all of his appointments, just so that we we don't have to keep track of it. And now, being in a more clear headspace, it's easy for his wife and I to do that. But in the beginning, th- there was no way we could mm-hmm. function in that, function that way. So the the, the the next most important part of all of this is that my son was, was as I would say, he's so active that he really was missing the small things in life. Um, he would glimpse them, but he wasn't engaged in them. He wasn't living them in a, in a, in the broad sense, in the truly, in truly, um, taking it into his cell sort of sense. And with his forced immobilization, he, he has to sit in a chair, in his wheelchair, because he can't really walk yet. And and the baby is there. So he has seen the last uh, five weeks. He's been conscious for the last five weeks of the baby's life. And he's watching this little person develop and grow and start to roll over and hold his head up and to bounce in his bouncy chair and to smile and laugh and engage in life. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, in this, we're in this incredible stage of growth for the baby and an, and an equally but totally different, incredible stage of growth for my son. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and the other day he looked at the baby and he, and he said to me, mom, 
I love that baby so much. My heart just wants to burst. Oh, it's beautiful. Oh. <laughs> yes. And and he would have missed it. <laughs> yes, yes. So he, he would have missed it to the to the extent and to the depth that he's feeling it. Mm. So so before the before the accident, I you know, I was watching um his family, his wife and the baby, and he find their way in life. And now I'm watching them find their the places where their hearts are at the most true and most in-depth points of intersection. Mm. And and I listened to my son say, you know, I know an angel saved me. I know somebody saved me. And to listen to him say, wow, you know, I, I'm bored, but I'm okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm still, and I'm worried about how, you know, how my, at this point, how my hip is going to heal, heal but I'm okay. And, and to see the, it, it, it's, it's a brotherhood um, and a camaraderie that he has with all of his uh, all of his male friends has been another incredible thing. They they are with him all the time. They are focused on him and what he needs, as he used to be focused on what their needs were, you know, to accomplish mm-hmm. things, to get things done. And they, you know, they drive him places. They take him places. They um, they make sure that he's you know walking carefully. Um, they carry things for him. They, you know, they fix something on my car for me because he couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he is immobilized. He, one, of, one of his biggest regrets at this point is that he can't actually hold the baby because he's only got one arm. And that's really frustrating for him. <laughs> that's okay. He can lie down. Baby can be on his tummy. <laughs> this is, you can still do that right now. <laughs> exactly. So it's, it's, it's all of these, these sort of these, these heart things that we're finding, you know, oh, these, these total moments of joy. I had to go to his, to his, the wreck of his truck, I think four or five days after the accident. And, and everyone was trying to protect me. His friends said, oh, no, 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 you can't go there. And the tow truck said, oh, no, 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 you really don't want to see this truck. And I said, they do. I, I'm okay. I, I, I know I'm okay. Just take me to the truck, <laughs> which, which they did. And, and when I looked at the truck, I saw the miracle. Mm. I didn't gasp and say, oh, I don't know how we survived that. Uh, this, is, this is terrible. This is terrifying. I looked at the truck and said, I see the miracle. Mm. I see the, the, the best, the mm-hmm. best outcome, the, or better, of, the, of all possibility that could have been horrible. I see that. I, that's what I see. And, and, you know, my son actually said the same thing. He said, I see my life in the wreck of that truck, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. was a, a fascinating way for him to put it. Mm. <laughs> what a journey. What a journey for everyone. <laughs> now, Anatara, um, you are an intuitive. You mm. uh, connect on all different levels with people, with spirit. What, what would you share with individuals mm. who have not spent many years with that level of consciousness? Even we, it all, it is all within each of us to be able to do this. It is all <laughs> within each of us. Believe it or not, everyone, it really is. And it's like a muscle that that you hone mm-hmm. in. And if you choose to, if you choose to know, if you choose to want to connect, it is possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but to, uh, an individual, uh, a mother or a parent who goes through this, who hears for the first time, your child's been in an accident and we can't tell you anymore. <laughs> you just have to get there 
and figure it out for yourself at this point. I mean, which is, you know, I agree with you. It's like I, the, part of it is the privacy and they're trying to protect that. And I understand who are you and I understand all that. But as a parent to suddenly get a call like that, what okay. would you recommend? Well, the first thing I would recommend is to is to take a deep breath, as I just did listening to what you were saying, and to find find any place of strength and centeredness that you know of within yourself. We all have a place inside us um, where where I would say we really belong. It, you know, it's the or and and it's the place where we really come from, and it's the place that that we are the strongest in. Now, I'm going to say something about this, which is that sometimes there are a lot of people who are really good in the face of emergency and really good in the face of accidents um, and, and think quickly and think clearly. And, and their human, that human personality side that becomes fearful and scared goes away. But there are just as many of us who aren't like that. And and so what, what I would say is whatever your immediate response is to whatever news you hear, let it come through you. You know, if you are terrified, if you need to fall on the floor wailing, do it and let it pass through you. Move from, from that point to the next point as quickly as you can. Don't deny it. Don't run away from it. Let it happen. Feel it. Cry, scream, yell, go silent, whatever it is. And then behind that, notice where your strength is. Because that that point of strength is is where you are going to need to, you know, in quotes, perform from. That's where you will be acting from. That's where you'll be making your decisions from when someone asks you to make a decision. That's where you will be directing your your healing love and your healing thoughts to whoever it is that needs help. That's where you'll be directing the idea of. I love you and and I can let go of you if I need to if that's the situation that you're in. So it you know it, it's I would say ride the roller coaster and and let the ups and the downs in your own in your own moods happen and don't get caught in any of it if you can help it. You know listen to the detail and and you may watch and observe other family members who 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 have to stay in the story and have to stay in the fact move in and out of that so that you can add your love which is which is the strongest tool that you have to the healing and movement that's happening for the person that you love did, did that make sense was mm-hmm. that clear mm-hmm. okay. well it was very clear for me <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's a wonderful wonderful piece of advice for everyone because mm-hmm. it's it's almost like okay take the moment shake it off <laughs> do whatever mm-hmm. you need to do just mm-hmm. shake all the um it's almost like the tremor the shock that you're going through it, shake that's it off. right that's right allow and the you- tremor and you will be in shock, <laughs> and and that's that that's that point where the where the nurses and the social worker were so able to look at us and say, um, "What do you need?" Because mm-hmm. they know that that's the that's the place that our minds are going to be in, mm-hmm. and the mind shock becomes body shock. 
And and that shock is heavy. That shock is is very very intense. Um, you know, and, and I just knew that I that I could stay above the mind shock anyway, mm-hmm. and and could help the other family members stay above the mind shock as well, mm-hmm. and could and could embrace them when they needed to have that moment of oh I'm just lost in it. I'm lost in this fear. I'm lost in this panic. I'm lost in the oh no's. Right. Um, but but again, it's it's if you find your center, your power which is the love that you have for the world and for that individual, you have more ability to change and tune, you know, be that tuning fork and direct the healing that's happening for everybody mm-hmm. um, in a bigger way than you could ever imagine. There is nothing stronger than that. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Nothing more viable, nothing more real, nothing stronger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, uh, it confirms the love heals all. It does. <laughs> yes, yes. And I and I agree with you. And um the one point that I would add to it is uh the the powerful uh if I may say negative thoughts mm. of fear, whether it be fear, anger, frustration of not knowing. I always say to people, face it, become aware of it. Mm-hmm. and let it go. Mm-hmm. Don't bring it into the room. Just bring the love into the room because it's the love that's going to heal. Exactly. And not the crying and the keep it out of the room. <laughs> they can <laughs> hear you. <laughs> uh, yeah, they, they definitely can. And, and when they perceive it, they worry. Yeah, they worry about yeah. you. Exactly. They worry about the individual yeah. who's crying or, yeah. or having a tough time. And they don't, and they, they don't have time to do that. <laughs> They, they don't, and, and they, they and they don't understand what they can do to change it, and they feel responsible for it. Yes. But again, you know, if it ha- if it's happening for you, uh, just you know, as Christina just said, feel it, go through it, let it pass. Don't deny it because if you mm-hmm. try to suppress it, it's going to get stronger and it's going to eat at you. Mm-hmm. But acknowledge it, see it, put, travel on the roller coaster around and through it, and just get to that place where the love is. Mm. And even even if you know you can give love through tears, uh, you can give love through relief. You, you know you can give love through through what might be perceived to be sadness, but isn't. You know it's it's whatever it is. Tears are just express a strength uh, of of something, an intensity of something. But it's not always bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. <laughs> oh, Anatara, what a very full moment that we've had with you. Is there anything else that you'd like to share? I don't know. I, <laughs> There's so I, much. <laughs> yeah, I I know that that I that what I learned about the the um, being able to to um, receive and then to you know conduct or 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 be the tuning fork for that that intensity of of um, energy is is going to it has changed me in some way and is going to be have something to do with what I do next, whatever mm-hmm. the heck that means, and and that's great and and. I am no longer exhausted mm. from from the whole experience. A lot, most of that exhaustion coming from the mental parts of it, not the not the intuitive healing parts of it. Um, so, so I'm just I'm open and I'm and I'm ready, and I'll see where that goes in terms of how I teach and how I work with people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's fa- it's powerful. fascinating, it's wonderful. Yeah, it is very powerful. Well, thank you so much, Anatara, for sharing this personal, very, very personal journey of yours and your family and friends and, you know, and uh, of course we continue to send healing energy 
that uh, every all the grids are going to be reconnect, <laughs> <laughs> and they are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And as they say, when a, when the healing process is there, it heals to become even stronger. It does. Yeah. It definitely does. It's a miracle. It's a wonderful miracle, mm-hmm. and it's and it's something we can all expect, really. Mm-hmm. To, to witness this kind of miracle, to be part of, of this kind of miracle. And I'm just going to stick in that even death is a miracle. Yes. <laughs> I am right with you on that one. <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank you, Christina. Thank, thank you so much, Anatara. Many, many blessings to you and your family. And really, again, for sharing your, your incredible journey. We're going to have to follow up with you sometime. <laughs> I would like <laughs> to that. see how everything unfolds. Yeah, I would like that. The part two. <laughs> And I'd like to thank, of course, Segovia Smith and the Yoga Hub team for making this possible. And to each and every one of you for joining us in this new platform of education and information. We're grateful for your continuous support and look forward to hearing your feedback on how we can serve you better. We invite you to join us live on Tuesdays for Magical Medical Tour at 10.30 a.m. Pacific, 1.30 Eastern. Wednesdays for Trinity of Life at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern followed every other week with Flowing Into Awareness with Anatara. You can also connect with Anatara by following her on Twitter, at Anatara, and of course, through her own site, at anatara.ca. Where do I need to be the most cautious about genetically modified foods? And and I think there are two examples um, that if, if folks can follow this, they will go a long, long way of making sure that they don't have uh, GMOs in their diet. Corn and soy are um, the two most prevalent um, genetically modified foods in our common food um,